fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Afternoon from the afternoons with Staffy team. You got Staffy, you got Captain Kate, and you got LeBron James Finn Basimo Bellissimo. He's got a number of names. He's six foot five, so I call him Sir. Um, I'd love to start the show today celebrating a, a Breakers win, but I'm not going to get downhearted. I'm going to celebrate a Breakers season of fortitude, of bounce back, of heart, of ticker. I was enthralled last night. Even with a 12-point lead early doors, you just knew Sydney were going to come back. And what was the difference? Lion-hearted efforts from the Kings. That red-headed chap, Glover. Holy heck. Amazing. I haven't heard what the injury report was on him, whether he's got a cracked sternum or broken ribs or something. The man could hardly walk. The man could hardly breathe. And he took the court, crucial three-pointer, change of momentum, Xavier Cooks came out big at the end. Barry Brown Jr. probably held the ball a little bit too long in the fourth quarter. But hey, we threw everything at it. I still still 100% think... I'd like to think 100% of us are proud of what the Breakers achieved this year. I'd love to see Tom Abercrombie go round again, do one more season. Don't want to see him finish on 399 games. Just play one more, at least. Fantastic effort. Great support staff. Loved the coach this year. So much to be um, hungry for, anticipating next year's um, ABL, Australian Basketball League. But don't forget we have the National Basketball League coming up as well. And we will certainly be covering that. Coming up today, after one, we're going to talk to Brooke Lever on the ANZ Premiership. We've had two rounds. There was a pre-season tournament. There's some new names. There's some transferred names. There's a bit of bedding down. There's been some disappointments been some new players I want to talk to her about as well and remembering we'll be bringing you live commentary of the game on Sunday at four o'clock myself and Brooke Lever so we're just getting her back into the swing of media just after one Miles Harrison about quarter past one Six Nations commentator wonderful man met him quite a few times when he's come down to New Zealand to uh, cover English tours etc Lions tours he's a wonderful man so looking forward to that Tony Johnson with a super rugby preview uh, just after two o'clock, and then Liam Santa Maria uh, from see mbl.com. He's a, he's a basketball writer anyway. We've had him on the show a number of times, and he was in co-commentary last night. One of the major things from last night: a really nicely balanced commentary team, which you don't always see when Australian teams are playing New Zealand teams. I'm talking to you, Steve Roach, when you commentate the Warriors. I thought they were really good. Uh, a lot of praise. Andrew Gaze, absolute class act. So, yeah, we'll talk some Breakers Basketball 220. We've got a brand new vault today. 
and we've made it intentionally not very difficult because we want it gone either today or tomorrow. So it's intentionally not very difficult, a New Zealand iconic sporting moment, and we will bring that to you at about 2.40. What else we got? Show me the money today, actually. So dust off your tips. It's going to be, this is the first time this combo's ever done it together, I think. Me, Captain K, and Fimba Simo, LeBron James, and you a caller. And you a caller. But Midday Madness is always good fun on Thursdays and Fridays. We've decided to make them sweet steak Midday Madnesses. Oh, I had the winner from last week. It was John. He got he got the right team. He missed the margin by one, but so did Brett from Huntley. Missed the margin by one, but John got a correct try scorer in Nano Satoro. I'm going off memory. It's out on my desk out in the office. But um, So John won the $50 TRB bonus bet. $50 TRB bonus bet. So the pattern's going to be going to do NRL sweepstake Thursdays. Um, Super Rugby sweepstakes Fridays. Now, if you're listening to us on the wireless right now, you're in Auckland or Wellington. The rest of the country's got rural roundup from the field days in Palmerston North. So I'm thinking there's not going to be as many entries. So you're a huge chance to win it. So the rules are NRL round. What are we? Three, four, three, round three. Which team's going to have the biggest winning margin? How big is that margin going to be? And if you nail it, you win. If two people nail it, the countback is pick a try scorer from that game. Got it? Which team's going to have the biggest winning margin? What will that margin be? And a tiebreaker is a try scorer from that game. And as I say, I'm pretty sure on radios, we're only talking to Auckland and Wellington on the app. Welcome in. You can enter as well. But uh, smaller pool size means better chance to win. So ring us with your picks, 0800 150 It's the Midday Madness Sweepstake. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. And to kick us off... Of course, it's only right. The life member, his name's Aid. He's on the line. G'day, Aid. Good afternoon, Staffy. Good afternoon. I'm actually, um, off to the Blues Captain's Run tomorrow. Are you? Yeah, Blues Crusaders Captain's Run. So Fantastic. That'll be good. Yeah, that's tomorrow morning. I think it's about 11 o'clock, 12. So. Can anyone yeah. go to those, Aid? Is that, is that out at Alexandra Park training area? That's... Uh, um, uh, I've been invited because I'm a Blues um, member, so you get to go to one captain's run. Oh, fantastic. Actually, they have the captain's run at the ground, don't they? So they'll be at the ground, yeah. Yeah, eat them up. Fantastic, yeah. Zate. Fantastic. Um, for my pick, I've just had actually had a look at the TAB and just look at um, the biggest point start next. It's actually the Broncos Dragons. Yeah. Um, the Dragons played the Titans last week, but the Titans aren't much competition. But the Broncos have been playing two from two. Um, they beat the Cowboys last week, um, so I will take the Broncos by 30, please. And any time try scorer, I'll take Salvin Cobo, please. Cobo. You like Cobo? Yeah, yeah he's a good player. Um, plus Queens instead of Origin. Real good fast winger. And, um, I think they'll go well. You know, Reese Walsh on the fullback. 
Mm. And then they beat the Cowboys last weekend by a little bit, by 12. So I think they all over the Dragons. All right. So you like the Broncos by now, 30. I think Dolphins will beat Newcastle tomorrow night. I think Newcastle's a bit wounded and um, Dolphins should be over there as well. Beautiful. Thank you. Good man. There's Zaid. He's and first. Come on, the Warriors. Up the Warriors, Zaid. Up the Warriors. Broncos by 30 for Zaid. Get your picks in. Uh, and there's not many of you. Well, we've got a reduced audience because uh, the Rural Roundup is coming to you live from field days for the first hour of our show today. So a big chance for you. Or you can text in if you can't get to a... Um, if you can't get to a phone to make a call, happy to take your text entries on double eight double three, Tampa Bear Post text machine. I'm just going to read a text actually that came into Smithy's show just before the news, and it's a good talking point that we might actually pick up at some stage. Thank you, Brian. Saying, "Hey, would the Auckland in the A League be something that a team like Matt Walsh's outfit would look at?" I want to say yes. Not saying he would, but he would look at it. I think. He would look at it. Um, anyway, let's uh, back to the phones. Mark from Petoni. G'day, Mark. How you going, Steph? Good, thanks, buddy. Um, I'm picking the Cowboys to do one over on the Warriors. Are you really? Not wanting it to happen, yeah. but thinking it'll happen. Am I right? Yeah, exactly, mate. Exactly. And I'll have um, Nanai as the try scorer. Nanai. What margin Nanai. will the Cowboys win by, do you reckon? Uh, I'm going 20 plus. 20, exactly 20. You have to give me an exact. Yeah, uh, 20. yeah exactly 20. Yep. Exactly 20. Well, I hope you're wrong. I think you hope you're wrong as well, maybe. Yeah, I do, <laughs> I do. I think the heat and a couple of injuries, uh, you know. Yeah, the heat and a... Just the debutante at fullback too. Gosh, could there be a harder game to debut in for the Warriors? Yeah, exactly, mate. I'm nervous for them. Yeah, I am too. I am too. We'll learn a lot about them, though. We'll learn a lot. Yep. Good stuff, Mark. We will. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. 0800 150 811. Uh, text messages are coming through. We've got one there. Broncos by 20 uh, with Cobbo. So Zade's got Broncos by 30 with Cobbo. There's a theme. Uh, Ken's got Ken. Come on, mate. If you're right... Oh, I would be so delighted for you, Ken. He's picked the Dragons by 14 with Tyrell Sloan to score a try. We'll write that down, Ken. It's in the entry book. It's in the entry book. <laughs> I, lo- I love passionate fans of their teams. I really, really do. Uh, 0800-150-811. Give us a call with your team that's going to win by the most. What that margin will be. A tiebreaker, if we need it, will be a try scorer. Or you can text us, double eight, double three. You're in afternoons with Staffy in association with Goal. And what do they do? They fuel your mission. Win all year round. Welcome back in, folks. We're wanting you to message us about uh, on double eight, double three, who, which rugby league team in the NRL this week is going to have the biggest winning margin. And just the tiebreaker, if we need it, a try scorer from that game. The exact margin, a try scorer from that game. You can text them or call us 0800-150-811, which is exactly what Graham, residing in Marlborough, Hart and Northland. G'day, Graham. G'day, mate. Before I get on to that, would you be able to ask Brooke Lever a couple of questions, netball questions for me that I'm of course a I bit can. of an interest in? Yes. One is why... 
why was Ali Bird released from the tactics? Or, you know, not, not re-signed? Um, she's playing in the, for the London Royals, I think, in, the, in their competition. When she had a 92% success rate uh, shooting stat, yep. that would be one that would be one thing I'm concerned about. Um, and the other thing is, why sign the tactics coach for five seasons? when she's won nothing and doesn't look like she's going to win anything with the, with the roster that they've got. They've got a pretty bloody good roster, the tactics, and they, look, they looked a mess the other night on TV. They just didn't have a clue what they were doing. Have they so signed her to another five years, have they? I think this is her third year of that five-year oh, right. deal. You know, So this is already, the, already her third year, third season. I think it is, or it might be her second year. But they signed her for five years, a couple of... I was on a board of a netball thing, and that was when it came through, and that wasn't that long ago. So it just seemed a bit strange, and, yeah, they just don't seem to be clicking, you know? And I just wonder why you'd sign... If she if she knows... She might not want to answer that, actually, because she was she was there not that long ago, so... Mm. and got And got released... Same as Ellie's been really. I couldn't understand. I can't understand that, eh? When you have a shooter that shoots like that, It'd be like letting Dan Carter go, you know, like <laughs> or something like that. But yeah, anyway, that's just just an interest I've got in the game, you know. So yep. yeah, got a girl that's doing right at it. Um, yeah. So the Tigers by four. Um, you know, you got to have hope, don't you? Um, but is four yeah. going to be the biggest winning margin of the week? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because the the Warriors will only lose by three this week. Okay. I'm picking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and all the others but, will yeah, be close. Just, but it's just a bit of, yeah, they'll all be close, mate. Just a bit of fun. Yep, cool. Um, Tigers by four, give me a try um, scorer. I say a Papalili, is it? Yes, I say a Papalili. Uh, Tigers by four. No, he's in the he's in right? the Eels, isn't he? I oh, moved to the Tigers. Oh, Okay. I thought he plays number eleven. Is that a lo- is that the lock or whatever they call him in league? Second row. Yeah, second row. Is that all the is that all the fame the fullback Dane somebody Dane Lovers? Okay, Papali he's out. So Captain K's just told me he's not playing this week. Oh well, the fullback. Fullback will do. Fullback is Dane. Some, Dane. Dane Gagai. Is he in the West? Yeah, I can't. We'll give you the fullback for West. Stay listening, and I'll tell you what yep. the name is of the fullback for West. Deal? Yep, sweet. Good man. Thank you, Graham. Tigers by four is going to be the biggest winning margin, according to Graham this week. My word, we're in for a... I tell you what, Graham, you should take a multi-bet and just take 12 and under all the teams you like, because that would pay plenty. Whew. So we're looking for the West Tigers fullback. I know Captain K's doing his best. I think he's found it. He's reaching for the microphone. Charlie Staines. Yep, we'll take this him. Is, like, you can't replace Sam Hewitt with me, who's trying to figure out, is the number one jersey fullback? <laughs> You're is, not that bad, are is you? Is the number one jersey fullback? Yes. We've got uh, Charlie Staines in there. And he's he's wonderful down the right edge, isn't he, Captain K? Oh, you know, left and right and, and stepping and weaving and scoring tries left, right, centre, stat. <laughs> you sound like Sam talking about greyhounds. And, and hey, racing. I love our rugby league and they love to play it. Yes. Well, we haven't heard that for a while. We haven't heard that for a while. We need to bring that back. Um, gosh, a swag of text entries. I'll read you some of them just to inspire you, actually. 
We have got the ones I haven't read out. Uh, Broncos win by 22. Ezra Mann to score. Um, oh, Ken's got a message for Zade, and he said, Zade, the captain's run is always great fun. Go the Mighty Blues. Cheers, Ken. Here we are. Brothers in arms are Ken and Zade. Uh, Broncos by 22. Ezra Mann. Oh, I just read that. Uh, Dolphins by 26. And Cody Nicarima to score. Was it Cody or was it the other brother? Anyway, Nicarima. You might be doing what I used to do when I used to bet many, many years ago before the TRB was in vogue and I used to ring up and have a first try score a bet in Newcastle Knights game and I'd back Johns. <clears throat> and they always took the bet verbally, because no internet betting. And I'd say Johns and they'd accept the bet. And I'd go, well, great, I've got Andrew and Matthew. So I got two players for the price of one. <laughs> they never scored the first try though. Um, Bulldogs by 28 against the Tigers. Josh Adokar to score a try. If the Bulldogs win by 28, Adokar will score a try, Ted. Good deduction. Um, Bulldogs to beat the Tigers by 22. Josh Adokar is try scorer. Popular. Dolphins by 22. Jermaine Asako. Hey, Staffy from Phil. Storm by 24. Jerome Hughes. Uh, one from Clive. G'day, Clive. Bulldogs by 18. Addo Carr is a theme. Cowboys by 22. Tuolangi to score from Richard. Thank you. Uh, Bulldogs over the Tigers by 33. And to score a try. Dane Laurie is out, someone tells us. That must be the normal fullback again. So we've got Charlie Staines. They'd probably rather Staines was out because they're really hard to get rid of unless you pre-soak. You're looking for it, I know you're looking for it. <laughs> it's been a while since I've been on that bar. It took me longer. I can see your face. All right, so we've got a bit. See, normally we get about, actually, if I have a, a look at the um, last week's one, there were 57 entries. So you had one chance in 57. So far today, we've got 12. So your chance of winning, your chance of winning is good. Now, I've read out all the teams that have been covered. Bulldogs, Cowboys, Bulldogs, Storm, Dolphins, Bulldogs, Bulldogs, Dolphins, Broncos, Dragons, Broncos, Broncos, Cowboys, Tigers. So all you're going to have to do is get, you might if you name a team and they have the biggest margin, it doesn't care what your margin is. So this is like a, a 1,000 ticket lottery and only 10 tickets have been bought. You're in with the right royal chance. So 0800 150 is the text message, uh, is the text number. And of course that's brought to you by Temper and Bedpost. Bedpost the stockist, Temper the product. Um, I'm going to have a crack at which one I would go actually. If I was allowed to enter, and unfortunately Sam Hewitt won't let me, I ask him every week if I'm allowed to go in. He says no. So my one, if I look at the NRL, I'm looking Manly, Parramatta. Hmm, no. Newcastle, Dolphins, no. Roosters, Rabbits, definitely no. The Tesians against the Melbourne Storm, potentially, but no, I'm not a fan of the Storm this year. Cowboys, Warriors, potentially... Now, see, I'd go Broncos myself, looking at these. Bulldogs, although Wests are terrible this year. Bulldogs. No, uh, my pick would be, and I'm not allowed to enter, 
My pick would be Broncos by biggest winning margin of the week. Broncos by 26. Broncos by 26, and I'm looking for the team, for the try scorers, and I would take um, two score a try. Kurt Capewell. Kurt Capewell. Love the raw bone man. I think he's a good. I think he's a good dart. I think he's a good dart. Actually, I haven't given you the odds for the uh, NRL this week, so I might do that. Manly won seventy Parramatta, two ten. I'm going on Manly. Uh, Dolphins Newcastle. I definitely take Dolphins. Dollar uh, fifty five. I think that's shortened. Uh, Roosters South Sydney. Tough. Tough. Roosters at home. I think that's a coin flip. I really do. So I might just leave that one. Uh, the Titans against the Storm. I'll take the Storm begrudgingly. I, I really think they're going to struggle this year. North Queensland against <coughs> the one New Zealand Warriors. Excuse me. <coughs> I'm going to go North Queensland again. Head, not heart. Definitely want the Warriors. I think they are capable, but going to the head, it's them. Definitely take the Broncos against St George. Sorry, Kent. Definitely take the Bulldogs against West Tigers, and that's more a vote of no confidence in West Tigers, and I really like what the Sharks um, coaching staff have done with that side. So that's my seven-legger. What does that add up to? Just singles, just head-to-head bets, $13.94. There's our show me the money done for the week. (laughs) Steffi's NRL multi. My leg this week will be those seven. Actually, I might take a leg this week. I might actually take a league this week. Should we just do Sam Hewitt omen bets? You take NRL, I'll take NHL. LeBron James can take golf. <laughs> I was, I've actually got a golf one lined up. Okay, well then we'll switch weekend. it up. LeBron can do NHL. Can do, yeah. I'll do NRL. Yeah, you. So I got a, I got an anytime try scorer that Have I you? want to bring to you a bit later on. <laughs> Maybe after the news. I'll I bring think it this to could you. pay a bit. This week, show me the money could pay a bit because Sam's quite conservative and he says I think we should. You know, this is off the record, and he's not listening today. I hope you're having a good day, Sam. Um, we're only on two frequencies at the minute, aren't we, Steffi? Yeah, so it's but okay. Auckland's one of them. I know, and we're always recording, so I'm definitely not going to send it to him later. No. He's always saying, guys, 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 I think we should all go under $2. You know, better than a 50% chance winning. And then if the listener wants to go large, he can go a 10, 11, he can go 6, but at least ours come in, and we retain our integrity. So, guys. Let's just go like that. And we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Steph, what's your leg? And I'll pick a $5 shot. And he rolls his size. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to showing me the money. What time was that table to do? It's going to be a good one today. Just before 2 o'clock, we'll ask for your calls. Or oh, just before, about 1.45, somewhere in around there. That's not far away, actually. That's not far away. You got pointing to your head and giving me thumbs up. More picks have come in. Cowboys by 20 with Val Holmes. Storm by 32. With Xavier Coates, like that one, Jason. Broncos by 19 with Cobbo. Fins, that's the doll. Fins by 20. This is from Anton. He says Hammer will get two. And I'll go Broncos by 26. Kurt Capel, cheers. (laughs) That was my pick. Craig, if you win, we all win. We all win. 0800 150 811. We'll take your calls after the news because Johnny Mac's here. To the rockin'est beat of madness. Yeah!
Welcome back in. We're taking your educated guesses, which NRL Rugby League side is going to have the biggest winning margin. What will that margin be? And for a for a count back, we need a try scorer from that game. The great man, Gary from Upper Hit. Upper Hit? Upper Hit. G'day, Gary. <laughs> G'day, <laughs> got a little frog in your throat. I did, up a hit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, ordinarily I'd go the um, I'd go the Panthers, but I think they've got a bye this week, don't they? Yeah, I don't think the so, Panthers haven't got a game. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll go the Warriors. Why not? Let's go, go on. We'll go no 20. one's taking yeah, them. Yeah, come on. Yeah, they've got to win at some stage, don't they? So we'll go twenty-four with the Warriors. Yeah, boy. Warriors a try score. Come on, they're gonna have a good one. They're gonna smash them. I don't even know who they're playing, to be fair. They're playing the Cowboys. <laughs> they're playing the Cowboys. Who's your try yeah. scorer? I will go Cleary. Cleary oh. plays for the Panthers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crap. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. See, that's I'm Panthers all through and through. That just can't get them out of my head. <laughs> um, oh, who will we go Warriors then? Oh, what the hell? We'll go Sean Johnson. He's going to have a blinder. SJ. Brilliant. Said with yeah, confidence. I thought you were about to None announce a mid-season yeah. signing that Cleary was coming back <laughs> to the Warriors. With his son. Yeah, yeah, it'd be nice actually, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be amazing. Yeah. It would be amazing. Yeah. Good man, no, Gary. Well, if you open hell to be fair. Oh, mate, <laughs> if you if you win our sweepstake, the country will be delighted that the Warriors have had a massive win. Oh, I'll put a smile on everyone's face. That's it, mate. And it's hey, and everyone's good. got to say a quick little prayer to the weather gods as well down here. It's not looking too good for tomorrow. No, I'm flying to Nelson tomorrow, and I've flying to Nelson, driving to Westport, and I've heard there's a massive storm on the way. Yeah, I'm trying to wrangle it with the boss so I can get the day off tomorrow to go watch the cricket, but I'm not liking my not liking my chances. No, oh well, we'll keep he's a watch. He's standing right next to me too. He's laughing. <laughs> Maybe he prayed to the gods to make it rain so he can keep bloody working. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't work in the rain. Okay, all right, mate. <laughs> All right, mate. Have a good day. Cheers, buddy. You too. Gary from Upper Hutt. I don't know whether he wants rain or doesn't want rain in the in the wash-up of all of that. What is the weather forecast for tomorrow, actually? Um, I know it's not good for the top of the south um, and rain on the way. Met service. Let's have a look. Wellingtonians. Holding my breath. Uh, not that one. It's, it's clear up north. Gosh, that's a change. That's a blimmin' change. Um, let's have a look at Wellington. It doesn't look too doesn't look too rosy, does it? At all. At all. At all. <sighs> Hunker down, people. Hunker down. Long range forecast: morning cloud breaking up to sunny afternoon, becoming cloudy again this evening. Northerlies strong and exposed places from afternoon, rising to gale late evening. There's an orange warning just for wind. Me oh my. Um, that's not nice. And then Friday, tomorrow, showers turning into rain, middle of the day, easing by evening, strong northwesterlies, gale force, 110 kilometre an hour possible, then easing through the following morning. There we go. That's what the weather forecast is for in Auckland. Some more picks have come in. Staffy, the biggest winning margin last week was 14 by guess who? And the dogs keep the faith. Cheers, Ken. Wasn't the biggest margin? Oh, no, I'm thinking about the rugby. I'm thinking about the rugby. Go, Ken. Keeping the faith. You can't use that line, Ken. That's the Warriors line. You can't keep the faith with the Dragons. You're just going to have to keep breathing fire. That's what you're going to have to do, Dragon fan. Uh, someone else. Oh, no. 
Someone else has taken note. Uh, Josh, you can't have Broncos by 26, uh, Kurt Capewell, because Craig's got him before you. Okay? <laughs> Craig slash me. Uh, another one for the Cowboys, another one for the Storm, another one for the Broncos. Can't wait to see who wins this one. Still got a few minutes to, to get in, if you'd like. 0800 150 I'm actually going to get Captain K and Finn Basimo just to get their sporting analysis <clears throat> caps. Don't put your hands in the air and shrug your shoulders, Finn. You're working now. You can't sit there and watch basketball. You've got to work and study some NRL probability. So we'll get Finn, a brand new expert, after five minutes research after the break. Yes, we are back. You're welcome to call in 0800 150 We've normally got the whole of New Zealand listening and we get a swag of entries, not many entries this week, so your chances are raised. Jared's gone Broncos 24 Cobo. We've had a, is that our third Broncos Cobo? Just going to make sure you haven't all got the same. Are you, have you been writing these down, uh, Finn Basimo? Have you been writing the text down? Yes, I have. Are there any Broncos 24 Cobo? I think... Hold on, let me double check. See, I've caught you out. You're not writing them down. I'm, I'm writing them down. Yeah, oh, okay. well, there's, there's Broncos by 20 Cobo. Right. And there's also... 19. Yeah, 19 as well, Kez said. Oh, so we've got a 19, a 20, and a 24 Cobo. Yes. Oh, and we've got a 30 Cobo. Whew. It's going to be interesting. Now, you boys, I've given you the task about four minutes ago. I'm keen to hear if you were to enter, and I'm going to write it actually on the official oh, no. on the official <laughs> entry list, but in a different colour pen. So Finn Basimo, uh, after your five minutes as an NRL investigative journalist, who wins by the most? How many is that and who's a try scorer? Okay, so before I get into this, I know nothing about the NRL. So and everyone well, listening, no, you didn't know I didn't, anything. Now you now do. I'm an expert. Now they got me calling the games. Um, so I did some research. There hasn't been many blowouts so far this season. Mm-hmm. There's been some relatively close games, and I'm a Patriot, so I have Warriors sixteen, <laughs> and Wade Egan's going to score. Oh, look, nice. I, I like that bit. Warriors sixteen, Wade Egan. I tell you what, you're not a full time staff member. You're in the draw. (laughs) Too nice. So Finn's in. I've I've, I've written it in blue. So you're in. Lovely. Instead of getting paid, Finn can get an entry into the uh, NRL sweet state. He's a casual. (laughs) It's a win-win. In fact, I don't even know if we pay him. Exactly. I'm here for free. Yeah, he's here for free, but he's in the the sweet state. So, you know, he can't complain anymore. He just walks in the door every morning and goes, anyone want me on their show? And we go, yeah, we'll have you. And so he's in. So he's just a work experience guy. (laughs) Lights off our life. Captain K, Captain K, you're not allowed to enter because you are a staff member. That's okay, and I am a NRL expert. That's what it is, eh, the NRL? Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool, just double-checking. Uh, Do you I know what it stands for? National Rugby League. Does it? Does it actually? Yeah. Well, you sort of did the hand thing there, oh, kind of. Well, it was a lucky guess, I won't lie. Yeah. Uh, I am also uh, following in your footsteps, Steffi. I'm going to take the Broncos. Right. And I am going to take them by 22, 22. points. That's my pick. And who's your try scorer? Oh, you need a try scorer? Yes. Do you? Okay. Uh, let me just ask my good mate. What about um, <laughs> what about this? What do you think of um, old beautiful eyes, Reese Walsh? Mate, he was outstanding. Mm. You know, Reese Lightning. That's the one, right? He was outstanding. What's, what's, what's Reese Lightning? What does that mean? Well, you know, the Grease song. 
Well, this no. car is automatic. It's hydromatic. Well, it's a Reese Lightning. Get it? Yes, we do get it, Stephen. <laughs> Reese Lightning. That's Can who we I'm play, take. play? Well, we can't play the whole thing because it was 20 minutes of amazing radio yesterday. Yes. Last evening. Joel and Fletch and McIver. I was going to say Beave and McIver, but Beave admittedly sat back, turned his mic off, and ate popcorn. Beave, I was so I was on the run home yesterday. I got to witness the uh, train wreck, we called it, in the end. Uh, I can confirm Beave was pretty much off camera. He was uh, leant forward in his chair with his hands covering his face, <laughs> trying not to explode after they ripped uh, MacGyver, or Macca, they called him, to shreds. Oh, I felt so bad. I felt so bad, but it was good, Rowdy. So, yeah, Broncos by 22 and uh, Reese Lightning is my anytime try scorer. Reese Lightning, what what does that mean? You know, like, have you seen the movie Grease where John Travolta says, no, nah, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> if there's ever a good reason to go to the SENZ app and click on the podcast tab and you can go to the run home one and find the cross with Joel and Fletch, Amazing. Amazing. It's so good. And McIver plays his part. To, to his credit, he does play his part. Um, but you never, ever, ever go one-on-one in a jovial uh, slapstick match with Brian Fletcher. You will never win the gold medal. He is a special talent <clears throat> at that. And I'm just so pleased I've never had to do a cross with him. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably be Beaver and just turn my mic off and get off camera. We give Jimmy Smith a fair bit about Coco Magic. Imagine if he just started giving it back on a Brian Fletcher level. <laughs> oh, my God. I'd be in tears every day. I Actually, Jimmy Smith was calling the basketball last night for uh, SEN and SENZ, and I messaged him before the game just saying, enjoy it, it'll be a great game either, either way. He messaged me back about 1 o'clock this morning uh, and just put best night ever. He loved it. He was out with the boys at that point. Well, dude, I don't know. And it's only it's only an hour and a half after the game, and he was calling it with Oscar Foreman and who we talked to. Oh no! Oh, Steffi, you put me on the spot now. Is Tom? His name was Tom. Tom. Oh no 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 no! Oh, jeepers! I'm so sorry, Tom. (laughs) I've let you down. I'll figure it out and I'll, I'll do you justice. Tommy Basketball. All right. Um, last chance to get an entry in. We'll go text um, double eight double three. Double eight double three. Which NRL team is going to have the biggest winning margin? What is that margin? Who's a try scorer if we need it for a tie break? Another one coming for the Dolphins by 16. Uh, Fido to score a try or two. Thanks, Roger. No, thank you, Roger. Uh, so we'll take a break, get your texts in. And those questions that Graham asked me to ask of Brock, I'm going to ask them of Kieran. Captain K, Mr. Netball, after the break. Got another entry here, Bulldogs 28, Reed Marnie. A lot of people would say Mahoney because of the way it's spelled, but it's Reed Marnie. Uh, Simon from Fielding, get a friendly fielding. Gleason's Pub, Millie Pivak's Fish and Chip Shop, the Denby Tavern, oh, Manfield, G'day Fielding, Storm by 24 Harry Grant from Gary. Um, Captain K, I wanted to ask you, I don't know if Brooke will be, well, I'll ask her as well. I've got a theory. Why was Ali Bird let go from Canterbury Tactics? 
Do you want me to be very truthful? Yes. And again, we're not taking the person. Why her as a netball was she let go? Definitely not. Got a lot of respect for Ali Bird as person, one of the softest spoken, loveliest people that I've had the pleasure of talking to. Um, look, she was at a weird crossroads in her career uh, where, like we heard Graham say before, the tactics hadn't been winning much. They had a shooting circle of Tapia, Selby Rickett and Ellie Bird, two very similar shooters, uh, back to the hoop, uh, real sort of... Uh, stay inside the circle, back your opponent down. The way that the ANZ Premiership is going at the moment, that's not what you need out of a goal shoot. I mean, she did her job so many years, and Graham said she was a high-percentage shooter, but the shots that she was taking wasn't what they're looking for. Uh, they weren't quick goals necessarily. Needed more versatility. Took a lot of time. Yes, so they, they needed to switch it up. Well, uh, arguably, Alia Dunn's a very similar player to Tapira as well, but we know that if you're the hottest shooter in the market you're going to be expected to do those things but I think Ellie Bird had sort of passed her peak of uh, an ANZ Premiership top quality goal shoot and that's not to say she wasn't quality at all if you're shooting over 90% in the Premiership you deserve to be uh, considered a quality player but look going to um, the Vitali Super League over in the UK is not a bad move at all for Mm. anyone's career Uh, we've just seen Laura Malcolm come from uh, Vitali to actually join the tactics so it's sort of a bit of a Transition. They've joined different teams. But I just think, look, Ellie Bird, she wasn't up for it this season. Uh, and it was the right move for not only herself, but the tactics as well to move on. No hard feelings. She played there almost her whole career. So um, tactics fans, you've got to be thankful for her. And just uh, looking forward to seeing how Alia Dunn fills those shoes. And just on the contracting of... Um, Mary Ann Delaney Hoshek. Yeah, Mary Ann Delaney Hoshek, who was a co-commentator once for me, actually, which I very much enjoyed. Uh, five-year, I've racked my brain, and I remember when COVID hit, the tactics were just about to go belly up, and New Zealand Netball bailed them out, and they got a little bit of sponsorship, but they had to shed a lot of their staff, and so I think New Zealand Netball signed her on and said, you're going to have to carry the franchise on your back. Um, We'll give you five-year security, but they didn't have the luxury of assistant coaches and analysts Mm. and all of that. So they had a backroom staff originally of about eight and they went to three. It's something like that. So was it the right decision in the environment back then? Maybe, Marianne, and I'm 100% guessing, might have said, look, I'll take it on, but I want a five-year deal. If if I'm going to throw myself out there, I want security for five years. I think I'd need a little bit more context from what Graham was trying to say there in terms of why would you sign her for five years? Why would you sign her on for five years? Because she's a hell of a coach. Mm. But when they signed her on, if it was about two or three years ago, they had been terrible for mm. a long time. So Mm. why would you employ someone for five years that hasn't got a great record? Because she's got the potential, right, mm. out of all coaches. If you ask me right now, name your top three coaches just from netballing ability, not about the premiership. I'm going to say Dame Nolan, number one, Yvette, number two, and I'm probably going to put uh, Marianne, number three, at the moment, just in terms of coaching ability. We saw her take on the New Zealand A's last year as coach as well. Like, obviously, she's got to have something there if you're coaching a New Zealand representative team. Tactics on paper have the best team this year, and they're developing more and more. Uh, each each round as we go through. So really looking forward to seeing what they can do, but definitely don't write her off. She made the grand final two years ago, for Pete's sake. I mean, I know they finished last last year. Just look at this season, Steph. So I'm fully supporting Marianne to going forward. That is the president of the Marianne Delaney Hoshak uh, fan club. <laughs> We're going to have my co-commentator for the netball this season, Brooke Lever, coming up after news.
man. More concerned with his rims and his Tims and his women. Him and his man. Come in the club like hooligans. Don't care who they your fan. Poppy Yang. You got Yang. Stop pretend. The one that packed pissed out by your waist, man. Slight change of plan, folks. We're going to talk netball soon. Brooks just can't quite come to the phone. So we've promoted... Uh, the great man, Miles Harrison, Six Nations commentator. Very happy to get him on the phone. He's the voice of Six Nations. If you've been watching it, Miles Harrison, he calls a game a weekend and he joins us from the UK. G'day, Miles. Hi, Stuffy. I've really enjoyed the Six Nations this year, probably more than any other, I think, in recent memory. Competitive, um, the minnows like Scotland and Italy have improved, the continual well, not domination, but excellence by England and France. How much have you enjoyed Six Nations so far? I really enjoyed it. I think it's a standout year. I think it's been very competitive, as you say. Uh, I think the contribution of Italy shouldn't be uh, underestimated either. They have uh, shown over the last couple of years a forward progression we've seen that at under 20 level and that started to come through now with the uh, full side uh, and what they did at the end of last year's championship it was so important having won in Cardiff a year ago that they carried that through uh, and really pushed on and under Kieran Crowley who I think is a very underrated coach I think he's done a wonderful job with Italy uh, and they got the win against Australia for the first time in the autumn and they've managed to take that into the Six Nations um, and although they haven't got the win, it might sound ridiculous for me to be saying this, the fact they haven't won and they did win last year, they've still got a chance, of course, to change that at the weekend, although it'll be tough at Scotland. And it might seem a very strange place to start when you're trying to sum up uh, a championship that stands out as a classic year, and we move on maybe to talk about some classic matches that we've had this season. But I think it has all been underpinned by Italy and this leaving behind the debate that now seems to be off the table about whether they're worth a place in the championship. And I think that's a real breath of fresh air. It's exactly what the championship needed. So I, th- I think it's quite important to emphasise that point at the start of any conversation, why it's been a good year. I think it's, it's been a good across the board, as you said, Stephanie. Yeah, and the other one I wanted to talk about, which I haven't talked about for a long time, is Scotland. Um, remarkable season from them, really, uh, beating England at Twickenham, uh, tipping out Wales quite comfortably, and giving France a damn good go as well. They're re-energised in World Cup year. Yeah, another good point. And I, I think also with Scotland, they have been a good team for quite a while. Uh, they've been able to push anybody on their day to the limit and sometimes beat them. What they haven't been able to do is string a run of results together and get that level of consistency that's obviously required at the top end of the international game. And it's been really good to see that come through this season. You're right, they... They beat England, but they, they have beat England recently. That, that didn't come as a massive shock because of their recent record against England. But then they backed it up uh, with a good, really good home performance against Wales. Struggling Welsh side, yes, but they, they did what they needed to do, Scott. You only play what's in front of you. And they emphasised the points that they made against England. And then they went to Paris and nearly, nearly won. And I think that was just a cracking game. And it, I was leaving the ground that day, having called that match, thinking any other season that would have been the game of the season. But it followed round two's match between Ireland and France, which I, 
I think was absolutely exceptional. That was one for the ages. The first half of that game was as high intensity as you're going to see outside a World Cup. It felt like an end of World Cup game. And, and by that, I mean, it felt almost like a semi-final and a final. And that's where those two sides are, as we can see with their world rankings. I think they're thoroughly deserved. And and it's taken a really good side to beat France at the moment on this winning run. And that really good side is Ireland. And now they're on the verge of a grand slam to take into the French uh, World Cup. So I, I think both of those two teams will arrive in the to the World Cup in pretty good shape. Uh, but uh, Scotland too. And, and of course, Scotland are in Ireland's group alongside South Africa. So that's going to be some group. So yeah, it, it, it's further emphasis, as we've been saying, about how the depth of the tournament has uh, has really come to the party this season. I, I will talk about France last, but I do want to mention Ireland. I had a not a fear or a doubt, but I, I thought there was a possibility after their watershed season or their watershed 2022 that um, could they maintain it Six Nations and then carry on to World Cup. They've got every box ticked, Moss. I love watching the Irish team play. It's it's a team game. It's a collective game. It's a massive green wave all in unison with bits of individual flair, but they're teaminess, if that's such a word. I love it. Yeah, absolutely echo those points. They're so cohesive, aren't they? They know exactly what they're doing, seemingly at all points. And Scotland had them rattled at the weekend. Maybe that's not the right word. Scotland were really putting up a tremendous fight and would have made Ireland think that, you know, there's a lot to do in that game. And to back up your point, I don't think they do get rattled at the moment because they are a team and they know exactly what they're doing at all stages of the game. And they were a very, very good team, of course, going into the last World Cup. And I was saying to people, you've got to watch out for Ireland. I know they've never gone beyond a quarterfinal at the World Cup before, but 2019 really could be their year uh, to go a long way. I, I wasn't saying they were going to actually win the tournament, but I, I think they could have gone to a place that they'd not been before. Uh, and it turned out they seemed to peak at the wrong point. And I know World Cups come on these cycles and uh, some teams just hit it right and some teams don't. And, and I Ireland just didn't then. Uh, but Andy Farrell's come in and he has delivered um, a really clear plan that's, that's based on really clear plans at provincial level as well. We can see what Leinster are doing week in, week out. And, and that is transferred into the island setup. Uh, and I, I, I'm going to say what I said before 2019, but I think this one, it might well come true. I think Ireland will go long and deep into the World Cup, something that they've never done before. I'm not going to sort of say they're going to win the World Cup. Nobody can say that. It's absolutely wide open. But I think they're going to be a serious contender and move on from where they were four years ago. And, of course, France will be hosting the World Cup. We'll get on to their hosting abilities because I think it's a country and a, and a culture uh, ready-made to host a big tournament like that. But France, the, the rugby team, struggled Struggled a little against Italy and, as you say, went down to France in an absolute barn burner of a game. Um, they got it all together against England. I mean, they, they whacked England, but that's that's not as important on your CV as when the England team was strong, is it? No, I take that. Uh, you know, England are not where they were and the rebuilding, uh, if you can call it that, it in World Cup year to stay rebuilding under Steve Forth. It, it, it's not. It, he, he knows 
better than anybody, really, with his coaching expertise, both at club and being part of international setups, that uh, at this stage, there's a limit on what he can do as far as the World Cup is concerned. Um, so it's on a total rebuild process that's happening here that maybe would have happened had he uh, got the job after the World Cup. Uh, but, yeah, your point is fair. England are not where they were, so therefore... You know, what does that French victory mean? Well, I can tell you what it means to a Frenchman. <laughs> it means an awful lot because they had not won at Twickenham in the Six Nations for such a long, long time. That was an itch that they really wanted to scratch. And I remember England doing things like this way back in 2003 when England themselves had that glory year. They were almost picking things up along the way that they'd not done before that was building the confidence of the side. So even though in the context of this championship it might not win France the title, Ireland are clearly favourites to beat England themselves this weekend and take the title in the Grand Slam, I think it was a very, very important in, moment in the development of this French team. And when you look at what they'd done last year and they'd had the unbeaten calendar year, it would have been hanging over them, the fact that they're going to have to lose at some point, but when they don't want to lose, it's in their own World Cup. Uh, certainly on the first night against New Zealand, I mean, that wouldn't be terminal. We know they could still get out of the pool, but it would be unsettling. Uh, and uh, certainly when it comes to the knockout stage, you don't want to lose them because then it's goodbye. That's obvious. So, you know, this uh, at some point they were going to lose. So I don't think it was the end of the world to lose in Dublin, to lose to the side that was ranked number one in the world, to lose to a team that were playing very good rugby in their own backyard, and to put up a very good fight on the day, certainly in the first half, and to go blow, to, you know, stand toe to toe, blow for blow with Ireland for a long part of that match. Uh, I think France could walk away with that, thinking, yeah, okay, the winning one's gone. That's maybe a little bit of pressure off us, and we can sort of reset and go again. And I think that's what we're seeing a little bit now, the way they came out of that and played some really good rugby against Scotland. They had to to win that game. They played some exceptional rugby against England, regardless of England's own abilities. There were moments in that game you thought, yeah, this is a team that knows exactly when to press the button and how to press the button. And it was a shaky start against Italy, again, going back to that point of maybe the fact that they had the big game against Ireland just on the horizon. They said they wouldn't have been concentrating on that or even thinking about it. I know sportsmen and sportswomen say that all the time, but we know it's not true. We know that over the horizon, this is something really, really big. There has to be a part of the psyche and the preparation that would be being professional unless they're being prepared for the bigger test. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think it's all very explainable from a French point of view, but it makes this weekend really important. We've got the uh, pre-World Cup games coming up in August. The majority of individuals in that and supporters as well just don't want players to be injured. So uh, the strange internationals, those, you need the games, but they don't feel very real. This is the last really uh, proper game that France will have before their own World Cup. And I think they really will want to go out with a bang at the Stand of France on Saturday afternoon against this Welsh side. Yeah, which is a game you're calling, and you also called um, France-Scotland, I think it was. Um, so as a rugby person in France, uh, not for the World Cup yet, is there a taste, is there a scent, is there a smell that the World Cup and France are getting excited for it? Oh, it's amazing, Staffy, when you go there. 
Uh, I mean, they've deliberately uh, ramped up the pre-match and the noise in the stadium, which you know, French supporters need no second invitation to get in their seats <laughs> early and start singing and dancing and taking part in the pre-match entertainment. Uh, there's no inhibitions in those stadiums. It's fantastic, actually. It, it really draws you in. You try to sort of be, be in the commentary position. You're preparing for your broadcast. So that you end, end up actually just sort of being part of the whole pre-match build-up <laughs> and just forgetting where you are for a moment and the fact that you're working. But, you know, that is testament to how they're uh, sort of approaching the whole tournament. I, I covered 2007 uh, in France, and it was a very, very special event. Uh, I know it didn't go too well for you guys that year, so maybe you've wiped it from your memory. <laughs> but the actual, the actual event and the way it was hosted was was superb. And because France do things so well, the stadiums are great. They say the atmosphere is guaranteed wonderful. Uh, it's got everything, you know, the, the culture, the food, the wine. But the whole place is just going to be uh, buzzing and talking about rugby because rugby itself is so close to football it, it, there's not too much between the two as you know what is the national game and that's reflected of course in the television rights and how much money there is washing around in, in the french club game so all of that is going to come to the fore it's going to be a magnificent tournament and the fact that the host nation have a really good chance of winning the competition for the first time when they've had to watch the football teams go long and deep and win the trophy and recently they didn't quite win it but they were trying to retain it you know that is high-end stuff and the rugby team really feel like it might be their time whether it is or not i don't think any of us know it's just going to be a great journey but i can assure you anyone who is lucky enough to uh you know from your part of the world to be able to make the trip to be part of the world cup in france uh later in the year i think will will land on a tournament that will live long in the memory i think it's going to be sensational and finally, I feel like one of the unusual things, and I sort of welcome it in a way, is the top two favourites going into that World Cup will probably be two Northern Hemisphere teams, something we haven't seen at a World Cup before. Uh, I, I certainly think Ireland and France are the two favoured teams to win it. Yeah, I think at the moment you've almost got to say that, but I'm going to swing it round, and I can see why you're seeing it from your point of view, and I think it's a fair call. But a lot of people in the Northern Hemisphere will say, well, we can't really feel like that because it's never happened before. And there's genuine fear that South Africa will get it right come the big tournaments and in between, actually. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the power of that rugby nation is never really far off that number one spot, regardless of whether it's the build-up to the World Cup, the aftermath or the World Cup itself. You know, South Africa never farther far away. Ditto, obviously, New Zealand. I mean, everybody fears New Zealand in this part of the world uh, because of the history and what has been achieved. Australia under Eddie Jones, that's going to be fascinating. Again, they weren't too far away from France with a very uh, injury-hit, bodged-up team at times on that tour uh, in the autumn. Showed great spirit under Dave Rennie. Now, can Eddie Jones take that on and, and, and develop that and build a, a fighting force for a World Cup? You know, they're going to be, I think, come the knockouts, uh, a team to uh, really be wary of. So there's plenty of people in the Northern Hemisphere will say, yeah, it's one and two France and Ireland at the moment. But you know, the world order always says to us that you have to look at it 
from uh, a slightly different view. So I think it's wide open. Uh, I think that, I suppose the sadness, and we've we've seen this written and talked about recently, is the fact that the draw made such a long way out has delivered, as it stands, the top five teams in the world in one half of the draw. Mm. Um, and it just doesn't feel... I mean, we're going to get amazing quarterfinals in Paris on those uh, on those uh, Saturday and Sunday nights um, with that half of the draw. But I just wonder whether we're going to get the best four teams in the semifinals. But it is a cup competition. You have to take that on the chin. And if you're going to win it, you've got to beat the best at some point and all of those things. Uh, so um, there is a counter-argument. But uh, that's the only downside to me, that there's so much of the world... Uh, rankings uh, piled into one half of the draw. But uh, you can also argue that's going to make for some really good uh, games in the build-up to the semi-finals. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great tournament. Yeah, it sure is. Look, enjoy the final week and um, over there, France-Wales. Let's hope Gats can pull one out of the fire and get over France. Let's hope England can topple Ireland just to dull those two uh, confidence guys because uh, the All Blacks are coming at the end of the year and we need them to be dented a little bit, I feel like. <laughs> hey, Miles, brilliant to talk to you today, mate. Th- thanks heaps for your time. Fantastic, Staffy. All the best to everybody. Cheers. A text from Ken saying, Stefan, awesome interview. Yeah, Miles, he's, he's a great man. Um, he knows his stuff, but I'm not sold on France or Ireland for the Cup. Cheers from Ken. I'm not sold on them either, Ken, but I've got them on lay-by. Oh, they're, they're both scary good, particularly Ireland. Now, I know they haven't progressed past quarterfinals before, but, well, we they're a joy to watch. And as I mentioned to Miles, I thought there might be a slight form dip after just an unreal season for them last year, first ever, you know, first ever's everything. On track for now, a grand slam. Um, what have they got? England this week. Scary good. Scary good. I just thought I'd um, tell you, we've had a, quite a few of the athletes that are involved in the Sir Graham Douglas International, which is uh, this afternoon slash evening. So I'll just give you a bit of a rundown of what is going on. Um, so it all starts at 4.30. Uh, the first event is the men's pole vault and the women's long jump. So they both start at 4.30. And then there's a national permit track 100 metres. I'm not sure what they are, sorry. So I can't tell you, but it's probably a qualifying type race, men and women. And then the track starts in earnest at six. Uh, 400 hurdles, men and women. So I'm imagining Porsche Bing will be in there. Uh, Quarter past six. So this is rapid fire, and a lot of these will be happening at the same time. Uh, Men's shot put, uh, Jacko and Tom. Quarter past six, renewing that rivalry, and that will be spicy, given that Jacko uh, Gill ended Tom Walsh's 12-year reign as shot put champion at the Nationals in Wellington a couple of weeks ago. Then we have the men's long jump. Uh, the men's and women's 4 by 100 races are at a 6.30 and 6.35. Then the women's pole vault, I'll definitely be watching that. Just the addition now of Eliza McCartney to our pole vault ranks joining uh, Olivia McTaggart and Imogen Eris, our bronze medalist. So we've got an Olympic bronze medalist. We've got Commonwealth Games bronze medalist. And we've got Eliza McCartney, New Zealand's highest ever pole vaulter, all back together again. That'll be an enthralling competition. That's at uh, quarter to seven. Um, seven o'clock is the men's 1500. 
actually meant to look up if um, Sam Tanner was back for that. Um, then we've got some from uh, 7.30, some power races, 400s. Uh, 8 o'clock, the women's shot put. We had uh, Maddie Wishy on the show on Monday, I think she was. Um, all these are podcasts. She's at 8 o'clock. She's getting fa- uh, getting really, really good really quickly as she grows into her body and learns techniques and gets stronger. So she's at 8 o'clock. Um, some more power hundreds between 8 and 8.15. Then the javelin for men and women both start at quarter past. And then we go 100 metres. Zoe Hobbs, quarter past eight, thereabouts, quarter past 20 past, will be then. And then the 5,000 metres winds up the programme at half past eight, men and women, 5,000 metres. So all of our our, um, track and field stars will be there. It's the last uh, big event of the summer for New Zealand track and field. And then they'll all start competing overseas and the top echelon will be going overseas. Actually, the women's... Where's the women's 400? I'm just wondering what Rosie Elliott's running in, actually. Oh, there it is. Sorry. The women's 400 will be just before 8 o'clock. And, of course, we talked to her, I want to say, yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. Rosie Elliott. So very much looking forward to that. So I'll be down there. I'm going to interview a number of the winners, place getters, personal best getters and I'll play all those out to you on Monday when I come back um, so I'm not here tomorrow uh, Watto will be here tomorrow Sam's not here tomorrow either so it's a completely clean sheet except Captain K and uh, Finn Basimo he's here as well oh that's alright it'll be a reasonable show then with you two um, and I'll be back, me and Sam will be back on Monday looking forward to going to Westport on Friday actually not looking forward to the plane trip because of that storm and those gale force winds that I've been reading about All right, uh, we'll take news, sport and weather on the other side, uh, TAB time. Who are we talking to today, Captain K? You you think it's BP with a very screwed up face, so with no confidence we might be talking to Brenda Popwood. $1.86 it's BP today. And $1.90 it's Paul Mawadi. $2.20 it's Paul Mawadi, he's probably golfing. (laughs) What's today, Thursday? Throw a curveball, might be fad. We'll find out, we'll have TAB time after news, sport and weather. And also in the next half hour, can't find my rundown. Find out after the news. Brother Bella's in the back, sweet singers in the front, cruising down the freeway. Yes, TAB time, and I think the man we're about to talk to just had his biggest ever bet on the TAB at eighty six. that our TAB rep would be Brendan Popperwell. Brendan Popperwell, welcome in. <laughs> yeah, I just thought, look, I'd just load up, uh, push the chips in. eighty uh, six sounds like pretty good value to me, especially when you already know the result. <laughs> Race had been run, it's in delay. <laughs> oh, good uh, how we doing? Very well, buddy. Excellent, actually. Um, been having a had a really good chat. Six Nations, actually, with Miles Harrison, who's for want of a bit of comparison, he is the UK's Nisbo. Uh, calls all the big test matches up there, and he's doing. He did France a couple of weeks ago. He's doing France against. Can we have a look at the Six Nations? Uh, seeing it's fresh yeah. in our minds about. Um, gosh, Ireland have been so impressive. So impressive. Look, they have been. And look, money at this stage is is nowhere near England, uh, as you'd imagine. There, there has been a, a lot of takers in this uh, match. So Ireland 108, 
England 750. They're just gravitating towards the point start. The, the, the belief is that 16 and a half is, is not enough points uh, for, for Ireland. So 187 uh, is the line in the sand with the point start. If you are questionable on the 17 points and, and believe you want a little bit more insurance in your favour, well, you can take the 13 and over. Uh, which is a dollar fifty-two, uh, and again, that's the other market that's been very well played in, in that space uh, with the Ireland v England match, and the other couple of games too. Look, France and Wales again, unbackable. Uh, France, where are they sitting in the winning team in margin? Dollar twenty-five. It's been healthy through multis, uh, and with the other match as well with Scotland v Italy. Look, Scotland have really. But they've turned up this uh, the Six Nations, haven't they? They've shown that they are going to be a force, to, not just through coming up through World Cup year, but just how they're building. Uh, and again, a dollar fifty-five, well taken in that thirteen and over space for them. We'll we'll stay the same code, but we'll go um, we'll go into New Zealand and, and Australia. We'll go Super Rugby. Any any market moves over the last couple of days? Um, look, the Crusaders Blues one is the match that. You know, it's going to take probably centre attention this weekend. Look, a market where we don't normally see this, they're $1.92 the pair uh, between these two sides. Uh, so a little bit of money for the Crusaders. We've seen some money coming back for the Blues. And the draw has even taken some interest to it, the $16. Uh, so a little bit of everything through this match so far, staff. 1 to 12, 270, both sides again. If you're the undecided punters are looking at either team to win this by a small margin uh, of 1 to 12. So that, that's, without a doubt, the game of the weekend, and punters are slightly undecided. While you've got these other matches and some other matchups where punters are looking at big scores Chiefs v Rebels, for instance, $1.03, the Chiefs, uh, 13 and over, unbackable at 125. It's been taken through multis. And the 23 and a half start for the points, points start around the Chiefs has been taken too, and that's moved its way into uh, $1.85. And the same can be said about the Canes. They're $1.14 to win against the Waratahs, who are $5.50. Uh, and the 13 and over line uh, has been uh, touched up with them at $1.57 uh, for the Canes. A um, couple of bangers in the NRL this week. I'm actually really looking forward to tonight. I think we'll learn a lot about Parramatta. Um, I think Manly are the best of good things. It's a very healthy price for them, actually, head-to-head. Parramatta, Mm. they're not going flash. Look, they're not, and they're a hard team to line up, and I keep sort of hearing what Matty Johns told us a couple of days on your show. You know, they've got three hard games against teams that are all coming off by, so this is quite an important game for the Parramatta Eels, and as for the Manly Seagulls, well, they won impressively in game one, round one, against the Bulldogs. Had a chance to, to freshen up into round two with the bye. Tommy Turbo is so key for this side. I mean, he, he just leads their attackers, just Tom Tavojevic. Uh, we, we have seen some money for the Parramatta Eels. I will say that at the 208. Uh, they were around that 212 mark. But, yeah, I'm with you, Staff. The, the 172 is enticing around Manly. And the key thing for this weekend, too, and it's, it's for this weekend only that we have... Uh, the early payouts. Now, uh, normally, if you have a head-to-head bet and your team is leading by 13 more by half-time, you'll get paid out as a winner. Uh, they've just sliced that back a bit and have brought it back to eight or more. So if your team is leading by eight or more at half-time, you'll get yourself a little green tick next to your team and you'll be paid out. Uh, and if they get run over in the second half, 
it doesn't matter. You've got your cash in the bank. So that's something to look into, Steph. If you believe you've got a team that are front runners early and might fall in a hole, there could be a chance to be able to exploit that over the weekend. Dare I say, I would have liked that on the breakers at the end of the first quarter uh, last night. Dare I say? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was that was a tough one, wasn't it? And uh, well, just speaking about the breakers too. I think we were on a couple of days ago, Steph. The big punt, four thousand dollars on the halftime, full-time breakers to be leading at halftime, and then the Kings to win oh, at yes. $6. And, of course, you've got the perfect result with the breakers leading by just one point uh, at the halftime mark. And, gee, I, I would say, uh, what was it, three, four minutes through that fourth quarter, things were looking good for the breakers, but then they just couldn't score. So, yeah, well under that punter that was able to nail that bet last night. Yeah, absolute beaut. And very, very quickly... Uh... What was the other match I wanted to... Oh, Roosters and Rabbitohs. It's a bit of a coin flip. What What's the market percentage saying as far as investments go? Yeah, look, this one's, this one's really divided here around this particular match. Um, look, Bunnies at this stage just hold the favouritism and we've got about 65% of our bidding around the South Sydney Rabbitohs. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's some money coming the way of the Sydney City Roosters at $2.11. I guess if you look at their two matches in isolation... You'd have to say that the Bunnies have come back better this year in their first two games—a loss to the Dolphins and then, a, you know, a win against the Warriors. But you might have expected better. So, hence why we've seen the money for the Rabbitohs at a dollar seventy. And in fact, just around the Bunnies, we're taking really good support around them to run top four and to win uh, the Premiership too over the last couple of weeks. They've been one of the better back sides uh, in that space, uh, along with uh, the Brisbane Broncos, uh, the Penrith Panthers, and of course. The Warriors uh, at $41 are leading the way there in terms of bets in the outright winner. Beautiful pops. Always good catching up. Thanks, bud. All good. Cheers, Steffi. Cheers, mate. Brenda Popperwell does a great job there at the TAB, tab.co.nz. Or download the app. Do it responsibly. Make sure you've blown 18 candles out on your birthday cake at least once. And um, that's where all the info, all the info is, including the fixed odds market for the St. Ledger on Saturday. Ace loan. Um, should we play Show Me The Money after this? Okay, thumbs up from Captain Kate. It's Show Me The Money time, your chance to take part in a four-leg multi-bet between me, Captain Kate, and Finn. We'll pick a leg each. Um, and you pick a leg as well. And we'll chuck a $50 TRB bonus bet on. We've got it twice in nearly two years. I'm determined to get another one before our second birthday. That's three months. Come on, man. And the golfer I've taken is pulled out of the tournament. He's pulled out of the tournament. I'm going to have to regather my thoughts and try and get uh, try and find something equally as exciting. I was going to take Keegan Bradley, top five in the Valspar Championship. Um, I was very strong on him. So I sort of think I might have found another one for that. But uh, I've got a couple of minutes. While you ring, 0800 150 811, if you want to play Show Me the Money, do it now. Show you the money. That's not so good. Show me the money. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. Full board of calls again. Ten numbers. I spun the wheel. It landed on ten out of ten. Who is it, Captain K? We've gone down to New Plymouth. Catching up with the great man Hayden. How are you? Good, boys. How are you? Good, Hayden. Good. Um, this will be fun. This will be fun. Um, do you want to have first pick or last pick? 
Um, happy to go last. Okay, you, you sounded like a last pick kind of guy to me, so I'm, I'm all about that. Righto, let's kick it off. Where do we start, Captain K? You're in, you're in control of the TAB bonus bet website. How would you like to run this? You know what, let's start with, with Finiano James. Yes. Over here. Uh, newcomer, onto the, the newest entrant to Afternoons for Staffy, show me the money. So we thought uh, we'd, we'd start it off, set the tone, and then Staff, we can uh, decide from there. Remembering he was wounded, one week he was the only one that missed. But we won't bring well, that up. I wasn't oh, there. I, just I hope that doesn't happen again. I really, really Let's hope, hope that doesn't. Yeah. But like, so what have you done this week, Finn? Okay, so gone for my beloved Clippers head-to-head against the Warriors. That's about it. Nice and simple. Dollar sixty-six, and the game's at three o'clock. So it's today. Learned his lesson. Show me the money. Learned his lesson. He stayed conservative. There we go. I'll go next, shall I, Captain K? Yeah, do it for me, Steph. So I was going to go Keegan Bradley, and I was going to go Sam Burns, who's won this tournament twice, looking for a three-peat, which is very, very rare on the PGA Tour. But I'm going to take a rookie on the PGA Tour mm. to have a top 10 finish. Oh, wow. You like that? Big day. Um, Big weekend. Yeah. Rookie never finished worse than tied 35th. Only missed one cut in his rookie season. I'm going top 10. I think he's going to be something pretty special. His name's Ben Griffin. He's from the United States of America. And there'll be a fleet of Air Force jets across the first tee as he tees off because he's going to be a special special guy for Ben Griffin top 10. $5. Five bucks. Five dollars. Show me the money. Mm, mm, mm. Show me the money. All right, I better uh, <laughs> get mine out of the way. And if you've been listening to the show all afternoon, <laughs> or if you've just joined, welcome in. Uh, but we uh, we did a little NRL uh, for Midday Madness today. Pick, a, pick the biggest uh, margin, winning margin, and an anytime try scorer. I took the Broncos by 22. And I said I had an anytime try scorer. We uh, lived the moment last night with Joel and Fletch, Stephen MacGyver, or Macker as they like to call him, for Reese Lightning. Reese Walsh, Walsh. Uh, ex-warrior, pain to the heart. But you know what? After watching him last week, I think he can back it up again, and especially against that Dragons team. So uh, I would like to take Reese Walsh, $2.25, anytime try scorer. Show me the money. Righto. Jeez, we've got a decent kitty being built here, Hayden. What would you like to do to add to that? Uh, I was just, I heard you guys talking last week about, you know, Winning only two, and you were going to go a bit conservative, but I don't think you. We're going all out. We're going all out. Well, see, our conservative officer, Sammy Hewitt, he's not here today, so we've decided we're just going to go a little bit larger while he's away because it doesn't happen often. Okay, so can we, we can go horses, eh? You can do whatever you want, mate. I was liking uh, Valder Soldo in the New Zealand Oaks, top three. Valder Soldo, so. Kieran, I'm going to help you here. Thanks, so, buddy. I didn't want to ask. Yeah, you click the racing tab. You click Saturday. Saturday. Following yeah, it. Following. Then we go Trentham. Nice. And then we go, is race it race six or, or eight? Race eight, I believe. New Zealand Oaks, G1. Yes. Group one, that means. Val Zolo. What did you say? Top three? I reckon top three. Top three. So that's a place 250. Mm, show me that little show me the Bunch of change. Put Show that bit on, that Captain we'll Kane. Tell on. me what it is. As we speak, uh, odds. Oh, jeepers. Forty-six dollars sixty-eight multi this week is uh, slapped that fifty bucks on. Two thousand two hundred and eighty-four and thirty-seven cents to go with it. Let's go, Nicky oh, man. Let's go, Nicky man. Let's go. Yeah. All right, all the best. I'm going to be watching the Oaks. I'm going to be watching the St. Ledger. I'm going to be watching the golf. 
Good, good fun weekend. Thanks for taking part, buddy. Thanks, Cheers, Thank mate. Oh, go through those again. Go through those again. With the prices? With the prices. All right, let's start at bottom to top. LA Clippers going up against Golden State Warriors, $1.66. Uh, keeping that Sammy Hewitt-Omen, keeping it conservative. Then we headed down to the Staffinator going in the rookie at the, remind me one more time. Valspa. The Valspa. Mm. Uh, open. Yeah, good nice. work. Nice, I'm learning me golf. It might be the championship, but um, I'm, I'm happy with open. I've committed. I've committed. Uh, <laughs> ben Griffin. Rookie, I'd never heard of him, but uh, Steffi likes him, and he's going top ten, five bucks, so he must be good. Uh, headed down to me, and uh, an omen bet to Stephen McIver, Reese Lightning, uh, Reese Walsh, anytime try scorer. Broncos versus the Dragons. Reese Walsh is at two dollars twenty-five. Then we head to the Oaks on Saturday. Trentham race eight. Val Desoldo, uh, top three finish, paying two dollars fifty. Add all of that up together. You got a nice little four leg multi, $46.68. Uh, conservative, my other end. Put a $50 bonus bet on that, $2,284.37 for supper. <sighs> That'll buy a lot of loaves of yarrows. Oh, bears it on you, Hayden, if that comes in. Yeah. You knew Yarrow's bread was from New Plymouth, from Taranaki. Did you know that's where Yarrow's bread was started? Medium termed, and it's still there. Backbone. The more you know. That could be fact of the day. Do you like that? I really do like that. <laughs> I like knowing the origin of places, especially when it's a Kiwi root. Yeah. Couldn't right. tell you where New Plymouth is, though, Steffi. Couldn't you? Could you not point it to it on a map? We're, I keep forgetting we're on air, so I can't embarrass myself that hard. If I if I had to no, Steffi, we're not we're not playing this game now. It's you, all it's all right. Okay, no, no, okay. it's uh, all right I'll to admit the geography. New Plymouth in the North Island. Yes, it's about half halfway from the bottom, so about a quarter of the way up. Uh, it's probably nearer to halfway up. That's what I started with. So you know the shape of the North Island. Somewhat. It goes wide in the middle. Yes. So Gisborne's wide. On one side, New Plymouth's wide on the other side. Oh, okay. That makes a little so bit of sense. So Lake Taupo in the middle, you've got Gisborne out one mm-hmm. wing and New Plymouth out the mm-hmm. other wing. Never been to New Plymouth, that's why, but it's on <coughs> my list. It's on my list. It's it genuinely fan- is. It is a fantastic place. It is a fantastic place. All of Taranaki are. All of Taranaki. We'll take a break and we'll come back, build into the news. Welcome back in, team. Coming up to the news, got some text messages in. Dave reckons that uh, the box at $6 of value for the Rugby World Cup I'm always scared of the Springboks at um, Rugby World Cup time. Uh, Scott said, boys, I'm just dropping into the factory to get me some bread. Yarrow's, oh, straight out of the factory, you lucky champions. Staffy, the Naki is the place I call home from Carl. The best way to explain it is to say it's the boil on the arse of the North Island. <laughs> it's a beautiful place. Oh, that one. Naki. Yeah, now you know. Staffy, I tried ringing you, but you guys have a full program. Just a shout-out to a good mate, Jamie Tanetti, a 23-year-old playing for Buller from the Mighty Manawatu has organised a mental health and wellbeing legend. Not bad for a 23-year-old. Make sure you enjoy yourself as MC. Carrie, yep, I'm going to MC that function down there for the mental health people down on the West Coast. I'll report back about it, actually, on Monday. Thanks, Carrie.
Welcome back in. Uh, we've just gone two o'clock and it's uh, a lot of people's favourite time of a Thursday when we dive deep into Super Rugby and we've got um, a full round of Super Rugby, but uh, possibly even more important, we've got the semi-finals of Super Rugby Opiki and as he does very kindly, joins us each week on a Thursday at this time. Tony Johnson joins us. TJ, important weekend uh, for the Opiki competition. Yeah, semi-finals weekend, um, and you know we go a step further than last year. And, and let's face it, this is just a progression. Uh, and we have semi-finals and finals this year. And the Blues picked up a very, very important win last week over the Hurricanes' power, which means they avoid the Chiefs. And I think that's probably the, the best that you could hope for at semi-final stage. Not to be playing uh, the Chiefs because that they are so good at the moment. So we've got uh, Matatu Blues, Chiefs, Hurricanes. And both to be played at North Harbour Stadium. Yeah, so it's I like that idea. Back to back games at North Harbour, um, good access, good parking. I always think it's undersold North Harbour Stadium. I think it's it, it's a good venue for something like this. Well, it's not hard to get to, and I don't know. There's always been a bit of a stigma about it, and maybe hmm. it's a bit of an age-old stop snobbishness that exists on the other side of the bridge. Um, says a, a long-time North Shore resident, uh, being myself. <laughs> But 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 I you know I think it's it is a good stadium and you're there particularly hopefully but it's, I think it's going to be a nice fine afternoon uh, so you're sitting there in the in the sunshine uh, it's an excellent surface the access is good I mean there's you know there's car parking around um, and you know plenty nearby too for befores and afters so yeah it, it's a it's a good spot. Um, Matatu Blues, uh, I think most people would expect Chiefs Manawa to, to beat the power, but it's it's not across the line. But Matatu Blues is a damn good matchup. Yeah, well, the, the Blues have been battling a bit, hadn't they? And uh, they came up with that win, as I say, it's a, 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 a priceless win. Uh, it was a very close game when they last met in uh, late February, I think it was. Uh, Matatu won it. But 33-31. Mm. So there wasn't a whole lot in it. And I suppose the Blues, you know, a bit closer to home this time. So, uh, yeah, I think they'll be pretty happy, um, you know, to be, to, be, to be getting that side of the draw. Um, but, you know, it, even looking contest for sure. And look, I, I wouldn't underestimate the power, but it's just the Chiefs at the moment. They, they just look so good, don't they, Chiefs Manawa? Um, they had a high scoring win over Matatu. It was a really entertaining game. I mean, mm. you get what, 70, 80 points being scored, 46 38 uh, final score. But the Chiefs, it, I think Matatu should be proud of the fact that they keep the Chiefs around under 50 because. Uh, the Hurricanes couldn't do it and the Blues couldn't do it. Yeah, they're a point-scoring machine, uh, Chiefs Manawa. Uh, tomorrow night, I guess, well, it's it's the unprovable fact. Uh, I've heard a number of times that if Adi Savia was playing last week, the Hurricanes would have won, but we'll never know. But I imagine he will hit the ground running and have a very good clash uh, with the Lucifer Tree of the Waratahs tomorrow night. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, Waratahs are saying they're not going to try and poke the bear. Um, and, and wind him up in the way that he got wound up in the game against the Brumbies. And whoever, well, it sounds like we're never going to find out what exactly was said uh, that made him so angry. Uh, but he's back, and that, that makes a huge difference. Look, don't, don't get me wrong, I actually think, uh, you know, w- without him, they've still got an excellent lead forward trio, but he just brings such an incredible dimension to the game. They, they battled away well. I mean, in the end, the Blues got to, what, 25-19 last week, but it was a, it was a tight game. Hurricanes at home, uh, oh, you know, I, 
the Waratahs, to me, they're, they're always the, sort of a bit of a nearly team in Australia that you always expect so much and, and they expect so much of them. And, and you know, so often they, they really don't deliver. And at the moment, what they find themselves down in, in, in seventh place, they'll be desperate for some points uh, just to, to stay in the, in the top eight. But Hurricanes at home, uh, particularly with Artie back, you wouldn't bet against them, would you? No, you wouldn't. And I'm excited to see Kenny Naholo uh, in his debut. Exciting. He's been exciting for a while. Yeah, um, the, the younger brother of Waisaki, of course. Uh, um, that means that uh, Salesi Rayasi um, steps aside. I'm not sure whether that's an injury-related thing. I haven't caught up with him. Salesi has been really good so far um, this season. But, yeah, a young excitement machine. Of course, he came out of a great school team and we've, we've been waiting for him to burst onto the scene. And so uh, that, that, that provides another interesting factor for the game. Um, Chiefs, Rebels. Uh, Rebels have glimpses of brilliance on defence, but not for 80 minutes. Um, the Chiefs should just be too good? Well, they should do. Um, you know, the, the Chiefs are ticking along beautifully at the moment. They got the job done last week. I, I wouldn't say it was a, a, a great game against the Highlanders. What, 28-7? You know, it was it was just a, a job done. You know, bank the points. Um, a game that didn't rise to, to huge heights. Uh, and I suppose part of that due to the desperation of the um, Highlanders. And they hung in there pretty well, but... Chiefs, you know, back-to-back games at home. They've had a you know, couple of weeks now sleeping in their own beds, or for a lot of them sleeping in their own beds. And I, 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 no, I can't see the upset, mate. No, even though there's a, there's a few out for the Chiefs, but um, it's going, they'd have to need 15 out, I think. Well, yeah, their depth, mate, is just so good. And I remember when we did the pre-season games, and I did the the, the game at uh, what was it, Mount Smart State? No, Pukekohe, and I just looked. And, of course, that was, they rolled out about 49 players over the three 30-minute periods. And I thought, my Lord, this is deep. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the thing. And it's still the thing, I think, that apart from the Brumbies, who can bring really good players off the bench, it's, it's the thing that's going to separate the New Zealand teams from the Aussie teams. It is. Uh, the monster is the Blues Crusaders. Uh, I've been told a number of times it's a preview of the final. I'm not so sure. Too much water to go under a lot of bridges. Um, but it's a it's a mouthwatering matchup. Yeah, round four still perhaps a little bit too easy to be talking about pre- previews of the finals. What we can say is that it is a replay of last year's final, which yes. was won, of course, by the Hurricanes. And, uh, sorry, the, the Crusaders. I beg your pardon. Um, and the th- in the end, they won it. It was a comfortable enough margin, and and the reason it was twenty one seven. But the reason why they were able to win it is they just destroyed the Blues lineout. And it's an area that, again, it's one part of the Blues game that is looking a little bit shaky at the moment. they just having trouble. Some of the, the throwing, not connecting with the jumpers. Paddy Tui Palotu obviously picking up an injury. Although I have to say, I thought James Tucker, when he came on, looked really good. He looked full of you know, determination to make his mark. And he's an experienced player. And he's, he's actually the sort of guy you probably want when you're playing the Crusaders, that he's just got a bit upstairs as well as a strong physical credential. So they'll have spent a lot of work this week working on their line-out because if that doesn't work, if you show any sort of weakness against the Crusaders at set-piece, they will look to, to you know to make that a dominant part of the game. So that, that to me, holds one of the keys. Having said that, Crusaders at the moment, uh, they... Uh, 
you know, we knew that they'd bounce back from that uh, defeat to the Highlanders, but then what we perhaps didn't see coming was what happened in Lautoka last week. And there's a couple of things about that. Firstly, absolutely great that the Drua at home are going to be really, really difficult to beat, playing in front of those frenzy, happy crowds. That just It's a bit like the Brazilian um, samba beat, the way it gets the, the, the Brazilian football players going. That crowd, it just it, it's like a 16th, 17th player for, for the Drua and the Crusaders. Uh, when the Drua got a roll going, they had real problems combating it despite the, you know, the, the quality of the players that they had on the field. And of course, you know, it does beg the question, uh, can you now afford to treat that as a, a down week and, and, and rest some of your big guns? Uh, because that really did backfire. Crusaders find themselves in eighth place on the table, which is unfamiliar territory to them. So, so much after the Crusaders, again, they've got to bounce back. They'll have a stronger team. But the Blues will feel that, you know, that maybe there's some weakness being shown by the Crusaders or the Crusaders maybe just a little bit vulnerable at the moment. And if you if you ever got a game in front of you where you have a chance to make a statement, this is it. Yeah, I think the Crusaders did the rest of the competition a huge favour last weekend. Firstly, because they didn't they didn't win the game, so they, they didn't get the points. But secondly... They showcased how hard it is to go to Fiji. And I think they're playing at a couple of different venues <clears throat> for their home games up there in Fiji. And I'm just so, so excited for them. I'm so pleased with the excitement that they inject into the competition. Their crowd, their fans, they teach us how to support a team uh, voraciously. It was just a wonderful, wonderful spectacle. On, on the other side, uh, our other Pacifica team, which is why it's now Super Rugby Pacific, are more on a Pacifica disappointing last week. Um, it's one that got away. Yeah, that that was a game that I, I think they absolutely um, should have won. Mm. And I've I, I got to say, I don't want to blame uh, the, the officiating for it, but I just thought there was a crucial period in the game where they were hot on attack. There was nothing, you know, very flowery about the attack. It, it wasn't sort of the ball being spun wide and loop arounds and cuts and all that sort of thing. They were just taking, just giving them the bash. They were, you know, running one off and they were running hard and they were really causing some discomfort for the opposition. And then what happened? Uh, the referee had given the force a warning. Moana go into the 22. Jeremy Thrush makes a high tackle that is not picked up by the referee. And then instead of so instead of getting another penalty and probably a yellow card, uh, the force turned the ball over. Uh, they boot it downfield for a line out. They throw in crooked to the line out, get away with it, and then they score a try. And and that's the turning point in the game. So I think, yeah, uh, probably own worst enemies for not taking enough of the opportunities while they were there, Moana. But I also think they did not get the rub of the green at a crucial stage of that game and ended up losing by three. Yeah, disappointing. Very, very disappointing for them. Um, Highlanders uh, finally get a game that um, I think they will welcome, uh, taking on the force in a nice Sunday afternoon game. Yeah, uh, force at the moment up in uh, sixth place. This game in Invercargill. Yeah, uh, which is which is great. I, I really do hope the Southlanders get out in in force um, for, for this match. No pun intended, because the <laughs> Highlanders at the moment are bottom of the table with a negative points differential of 98. They've conceded more points over the opening, well, they certainly over the opening two rounds, and I'd argue the opening three rounds of the competition than any New Zealand team has ever done in Super Rugby. 
And so they have got to turn things around rapido. Force have won a couple of games. Uh, nothing brilliant about the way they've played. But uh, surely uh, the Highlanders, if they're going to make anything of this season, they have got to win this game. Absolutely, they do. And I really, really hope they do. Um, I haven't been in the bookmaking game for, for a long time now, or for a wee while, TJ. I'm very surprised at the pricing in the final game, the Reds and the Drua, and you may not be aware of it. The Reds are $1.20, and Fiji and Drua are $4.40. I know they're in Reds land. The weather, the climate won't bother them at all, and they're a 12-point favourite, the Reds. Yeah, um, the Reds were, were very disappointing uh, in, in their opening round performance uh, against the Hurricanes. Yeah, they were they were toweled up, um, and and yeah, then they sort of bounced back. I think they put seventy on the fourth, and then uh, last week they succumbed to the Brumbies. Well, you know it's a tough place to win. We all know that, but there wasn't a lot in it. So yeah, I think at home the Reds probably deserve to be favourites, but but not by that much. I think the key is that they're just going to have to stop the Drua from playing mm. uh, or from getting momentum because if they do, uh, look out, they'll they'll damage any team. So yeah, that, that that's that's a good one to watch. Um, as I say, the Reds seem to be recovering a, a little bit from a bad start uh, to the season, but then they yeah losing last week, so they're coming under a fair bit of pressure and they're outside the eight too. So. Maybe the Drua, if they can just kick on, uh, here's another chance to, to, to work their way up into the... Well, it would, if they win, they'll go up into the top four of the table. Mm. They are appointment viewing for me now, Fiji and Drua. I just love the style of play. I absolutely love it. TJ, we've got to push on. As again, um, always enjoy talking to you on a Thursday, as I know our listeners do as well. Thanks for joining us today, buddy. We'll catch you next week. Cheers, Daffy. See you, mate. There you go, Sky Sports. Tony Johnson will be bringing you games with his dulcet tones across the weekend. Wonderful analyst of the game as well. As is our next guest after the break, we're going to catch up with Liam Santamaria. He was courtside calling the game for us here in New Zealand. Great analyst of the game. And uh, we'll review uh, that Breakers-Kings Game 5 and the season as a whole with Liam Santamaria after the break. Ladies and gentlemen, I've I've just been handed an urgent and and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Well, well, what's making news is uh, our second guest has said, I need another 10 minutes. So uh, Liam Santoromeria after the news at 2.30. Brooke Lever cancelled on us off the netball chat, uh, just under the pump. Come on, main freight, don't work it so hard. Don't work it so hard. Give her like five minutes to talk some nitty with us, but no, not going to happen. So instead, we'll find out what else is making news and then we'll talk uh, the NBL final, ANBL final. Captain K, yours please. I mean, you just, how many times before you ask, is it me? Am I the problem uh, that these guests aren't showing up on time? Well, you will notice that I've um, issued a meeting request for five past three. Well, uh, luckily I'll be on Phoenix Nation with Daniel McCarty, so we'll have to push that back. McCarty, Phoenix Daniel Nation. McCarty. Is, uh, I can see him sitting there in the Wellington studio. He's got the cans on. Hello, Daniel. Good friend. Uh, I can't we'll join you him. soon. Uh, Are you lying? No, no, I can't. Finn's giving me the thumbs up as well. He's looking dead at him. Daniel McCarty is locked in on the phone, uh, ensuring he's up to date with all the Phoenix news in absence of Ricardo Ball. What is making news today, Steffi? Please tell me. Something that's quite dear to my heart. My uh, my father, he likes to run marathons. Staff, I don't know if you know that. 
He's a marathon man. Uh, and I didn't I've, know that. I've been to plenty of marathons uh, in my time. My highlight was always going to uh, Rotorua for the Rotorua Marathon. Uh, he had a friend, can't remember his name now, unfortunately, but he always used to dress up right when you do these marathons so the one that I remember the most is he uh, dressed up as a prisoner <laughs> and he used to run around like a prisoner on the loose and I just I always thought that was quite cool as a kid uh, the London Marathon one of the biggest in the world probably second to me behind New York or Boston but he a uh, couple months ago decided he's going to take uh, his London Marathon uh, strange costumes to another level alright oh, no. so Staffy last year at the London Marathon he uh, was dressed as a gorilla and walked on all fours. No, for the marathon. All fours. Champion man. He's uh, his his alter ego is Mr. Gorilla, right? So he, okay. his name's not not put out there, but he's a hero of the community, right? So, uh, having walked 263 miles in 15 days, uh, he is walking backwards in his Mr. Gorilla costume uh, for the aid of Ukraine. Uh, for the ongoing wow. war. So this man, I just thought uh, he's a little cult hero. I thought we'd start off with a little little happy-dappy story. Staffy, if, if you were running a marathon and you saw a man on all fours in a gorilla costume pass you, well, how would you feel, you know? You just think I should be That'd be demoralising. <laughs> a man on all fours. But I fours. tell you, if I was running a marathon, any human or animal of any persuasion would pass me. I did a 5K once. It was coast-to-coast. Uh, coast. And Dad did it with me. Where's the coast that's 5Ks wide? It's like oh, Myrangy Bay, north. isn't it? Okay. No, no. It's, like, it's, it's, around, it's around here somewhere. Someone will help me out there. But I, I did that five years ago, and Dad practically walked it with me. Uh, it was quite deflating thinking that. But, uh, Steffi, in sad news, the streak has ended. For 31-year reign has come to an end. The AKC, the American Kennel Club Registration has come back again. Data from 2022 revealed the French Bulldog is now the most popular variety of purebred dog in America. Wow. Ending the Labrador Retriever's 31-year reign as the most popular oh. dog in the United States of America. That is a heck of a reign. You don't have a dog staff, do you? No. I don't neither. But if I, I did when I was you, a kid. Oh, what, what dog did you have when you were a kid? We had an Australian Terrier. Oh. Do you go, get out, mate? <laughs> Something like that. G'day, mate. Where's G'day, my mate. food, mate? Feed me. Fair right. dinkum. Haven't eaten for days. <laughs> so, yeah, the AKC, uh, they've come out and uh, paid <laughs> paid tribute to the Labrador Retriever with a little video on Twitter uh, acknowledging its dominance over 31 years as America's most popular dog. Now, St- Staffy, this next story. Staffy, hey. It's Staffy. Staffy, sorry. I've only just put that together in two years, 21 months. It's took me to put that one together. <laughs> Gangsters need cuddles, too. Steffi. Right. Mafia members need cattles too. Right. Italian police have gone after Raffaele Imperiale. He's mm-hmm. a uh, detained mafia boss in Naples, a uh, notorious mobland in Italy. They found more than 80 weapons hidden under the garage floor and uh, three Kalashkinov rifles, a grenade, and <laughs> 5,000 rounds of ammunition. He's the same man that they let go in 2016 after recovering two Van Gogh paintings stolen in 2002, my wonderful birth year. Estimated 50 million euros each, right? So this mob boss, they've done a bit of looking into him. Turns out he's a real softy of the eye. All he loves is arts and wine and cheese, but uh, the 80 weapons found under his house, 
suggest otherwise. So uh, gangsters do need cuddles too sometimes, Steffi. Would you like a fact? I thought you were going to say, would you like a cuddle? Uh, Except, well, yeah. well, you know, hang no, on. No, no, no. Would I, you I, like a cuddle? No, I want a fact. I'll give you a cuddle in the ad, because all, you all need a cuddle. <laughs> Steph, you're a gangster. You know, you need a cuddle. I've seen you throw up the peace sign once or twice. There it is. There it is. Video that, please, Finn. Race car. The word race car. No. The sa- okay, I'll let's be go to okay. news. Okay, no, no, here we go. The Hollywood sign, right, in Los Angeles. Notorious, very famous. People love to get their photo with it. Did you know it didn't always say the Hollywood? It didn't always say Hollywood. What did it used to say? Hollywood Land. Land? Yes, Hollywood Land. One word, but it was changed in 1949. Did you know that one? Great choice. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, there you go. I Captain K bringing something to the table for once. You've done it. Thanks, Daffy. You've cracked it. Thanks, man. You've cracked it. So that was Captain K's news. I, I shudder to think how Johnny Mac sits in his newsreading booth listening to our What's Making News clips going, what are these guys thinking? You know? I think so as well. It's sort of doing them a disservice, especially since we're going into news. Oh, yeah, we normally don't do that, no, do I know we? It's, a, it's a rule, but unfortunately uh, we couldn't mm. get to Liam in time. But I hope you enjoyed that, Steph. And no, I Johnny Mac, I apologise. I feel like I just need to do just a little completely different subject just to have a break between what's making news and the real news. So... Um, Looking forward to watching Rick and Ricky Tally playing the two jersey for the Blues. Woo! Cameron Suafua in the five jersey for the Blues. Dalton Papali and Hoskins Satutu have another barnstorming game. And is this the game? Is this the game for the Blues against the crew where the back line of Christie, Barrett, Tuivasa Shek, Ioani, Clark, Talia, Perifeta, is it like the vault and they're going to crack that combination and they're going to go, Blues don't lose. Is this the game? They're all All Blacks. They're all incredible. This could be the game. This could be the game. If the Blues click, Crusaders will be sick. News time. Straight in we go because the great man, very busy. I, I, I can't imagine uh, why he would even agree to talk to us because he'll have a massive uh, mission on his hands. Liam Santa Maria, we're just getting him up uh, on the back of the Kings, taking out the breakers 77 69 in. Well, what a wonderful, wonderful final series it was to going down to the wire, the MVP of the league, taking his team out there on the home court. A, 45 million people in the stands and courtside calling the game for Australia and for us is ESPN basketball analyst Liam Santa Maria. Liam, did you even sleep last night? <laughs> hey, Staffy, good to be back with you, mate. Uh, I got some sleep. Yeah, I don't know if any of the Sydney Kings or their fans got, got any sleep. The celebrations were in, in full effect last night for them and I dare say maybe some of the, the breakers didn't get much sleep as well. Tossed and turned, I imagine, a little bit because um, it came right down to the wire, right down to that fourth quarter. And, and in the end, it was just a decisive run by the, by the Kings that got them over the line and got them the trophy. I thought oh, th- there's just so many stories within this game. It must be a writer's dream. But if I I want to start with the Kings because most of the story came out of there for me. Derek Walton Jr. Jr. Fourth quarter was oh, he was clutch. Yeah, he was. He was all kinds of clutch. Um, and with with Xavier Cooks banged up, uh, it became 
Derek Walton Jr. that was the key to the series for the for the Kings. You know, they've got some really key role players, and I'm sure we're going to talk about Angus Glover in a couple of minutes and what he did uh, over the course of the series, but certainly in that game five. But it became apparent that Walton Jr. needed to be great mm. for the Kings to get over the line, and and he was that. He was that in game five. He was that in that second half. Um, and Jake Buford spoke post game about how. Things became really simple for them at the offensive end in that fourth quarter. He said, we gave the ball to Derek, and we said, mate, go and do your thing, and we'll just play off you. And his ability to break down the defense, um, get past his man, draw the help, his ability to pull up and knock down shots in clutch moments came to the fore in that thrilling final quarter, and uh, he was a deserving championship series MVP in the end. I do want to talk about Xavier Cox too because I, I'll be perfectly honest, I didn't watch much of him during the regular season. I watched basically the Breakers games and occasionally another one. <clears throat> and then he was named as MVP. So I'm looking forward to watch this guy. And in the final series, I don't feel like he's he's exuded league MVP credentials. But last night, and even last night to a degree, and admittedly banged up, mm-hmm. he made key plays at key times then he injects himself at the right time yeah. makes the right decision and breaks our hearts yeah and it was fascinating to see him have that kind of performance in that game five because you're right he he hadn't been good over the course of the series uh he spoke to us post game and said look let's be honest i mean Gerald brantley had my number he completely outplayed me over the course of of the series and and i need to be better um now he was banged up he caught some knocks in that game one, and he had had a bad ankle and a bad knee, and he was sore. And so he wasn't at his usual level. Um, But then 19 points and 11 rebounds Mm. in game five, Mm. playing through foul trouble. And I I think you're right when you point to a couple of key plays that were winning plays in in huge moments. The offensive rebound and put back uh, in that, in, when they were making that 14 to zip run. I mean, that was all heart and hustle from Xavier Cooks in that moment. And then the athletic rejection of Derek Pardon uh, at, at the other end as well. So two defining moments um, from the MVP and um, part of what the Kings needed to get over the line. Angus Glover, I do want to talk about him. I want him DNA checked. I'm sure he's got some New Zealand blood in him because, boy, what an absolute, what an Anzac. Let's call him an Anzac. Um, what he did, and he wasn't playing up to how sore he was. He was sore. I mean, amazing hair, an amazing beard, and amazing guts, and amazing glory. He deserved it. Yeah, he was terrific, you know, and I mean, for See, some of your listeners who maybe didn't watch last night or don't know the Angus Glover story... Please tell us. That's what I wanted you to do. Yeah. I mean, it's remarkable that he's even out there, to be honest. And we'll talk about what he did in that Game 5. But he's had three knee reconstructions. He's just a young man, 21, 22 years of age, I think. And he's had three knee reconstructions on the same knee. (laughs) And... They took a piece of one of his hamstrings to, to, to help the process the first time, a piece of his other hamstring to help the process the second time. And when he redid it the third time, they, they couldn't go back to either of his hamstrings. So they got some of his dad's. So he's got some of his dad's hamstring in his knee there, helping to piece it together. And he was told by the surgeon at that time, you're better off retiring. He ignored that advice, mm. came back, 
and um, is now, you know, in that in the final series, he was arguably Sydney's most consistent player. Average double-digit points off the bench. And then in that game five, Andrew Gaze noticed at half-time in the warm-up, warm he said, Angus Glover's not right. He's, he's grabbing at his ribs, his sternum. He was actually, it turned out he was finding it really hard to breathe. I think we're going to find out he had cracked ribs. Uh, he was saying that maybe they're just bruised post-game, but he was really, came back on the court all tanked up under his jersey in that fourth quarter when they were down seven. Chase Buford just threw caution to the wind and threw him back out there. He was hunched over, couldn't stand up straight and was struggling to breathe and then just had two huge plays. Uh, re- rebounded his own miss off the side of the backboard and rose up and threw it down in traffic and then hit a massive three uh, the next possession. And that was really the start of what was a 14-to-zip run by the Kings that ended up with them winning the championship. So a really phenomenal story and and all kinds of courage from that young man. Mm. Yeah, thank you for telling that story because I I heard glimpses of it during the commentary about the three knee constructions. I was like, this is amazing. I've just looked up, yeah, he's only 24. So what? Mm -hmm. gosh, he's had a life full of injuries and probably not long of his playing career. A quick look at the breakers too. Um, We always like to analyse why did we lose, why did we lose. Um, we're still really proud of the Breakers and what they've done last to second, uh, pushing Sydney Kings all the way to a deciding game. But but um, strategically, what do you feel like they they got wrong? I've got a couple of my theories, but you're the expert, so I want to hear yours. Oh, huh. uh, look, not a lot, to be honest. I, I feel like it would be a bit harsh to, to, to um, pick at some of, you know, things that Modi Mayor might have done in Game 5 or over the course of the series that, that didn't work out because, man, they were great competitors. Mm. And, and a couple of shots here and there, and we're actually telling the stories of the breakers here today as the champions going from last, last season to, to, the, to the champions. So it's really hard in that regard. I thought that they had that game won a couple of times last night. Yeah. Up double digits in the first quarter. Up 12 early in the second. Isaiah Liapa had a wide open three on the wing to put him up 15, which that would be an enormous holder to, to crawl back from in a big game like that. And then in that situation, up seven in the fourth quarter with just six minutes to go. Man, I mean, when they watch the game back, I think Modi's probably going to pause the tape at that moment and look at the score and the time and say, man, how did we not win the title from here? Um, so, yep, they, you know, we could talk about the fact that maybe the ball should have been more in Will McDowell White's hands in that fourth quarter and, and let him create. We can talk about the timeout he took when they're up 12 and maybe oh, no. that lost some momentum, um, which we noted on the broadcast at the time. But, look, he's been a spectacular coach. He's done an unbelievable job with that team. And uh, I think the, the real story is the success that they had this season and that the Breakers are back as a force of the ANBL. Agree. Liam, we're out of time, buddy. I really appreciate every time you've come and spoken to us. always makes the show better. So in the day after the final, once again, I appreciate you. Thanks for jumping on. We'll stay in touch. Cheers, Daffy. Speak to you, mate. Cheers, mate. Liam, Santa Maria, uh, basketball analyst for ESPN. Want to play the vault? Do it now. 0800 150 811. It's not too difficult, I don't think. I've chosen it. I've chosen it. 0800 150 
8-11. To play the vault, you get seven yes, no questions. $100 TRB bonus bet will be yours. Ring us now. Seven questions, one answer. Can you crack the vault? Oh, we're a bit short on time today, so I've already spun the wheel and it landed on number one. Who is line one, Captain K? It is John from Christchurch. John, welcome in, John. John from Christchurch, welcome. G'day, Stephanie, uh, mate. If you're in store for time, mate, we can push through them if you like, buddy. Let's go. Question one. Righty-o. Uh, did that happen? Uh, did this event happen this year? No. Okay. Is it uh, and ball? Say that again. You just clicked out. What was that again? Sorry, I just played with a bat and ball. Bat and ball, no. Okay, is it played with a ball? No. <laughs> so it's not cricket. Or baseball or softball. Oh, that's true. Or golf or tennis. Or rugby or soccer. Yeah. Uh, okay. Rightio, so therefore, right. Is it uh, cycling? Cycling, no. Okay, did it happen between uh, 2000 and 2010? No. <laughs> Two to go. Okay, uh, this is boxing. No. Right. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, let's go for another era. So, um, between 1980 and 1990. 1980 to 1990, yes. Great stuff. So, we're getting, so now I need a guess. Now one. you need a guess. Well, that's going to be brilliant because <laughs> I was going to say just if I just needed a guess, but it's not rugby, so I'm bugging. Um, <laughs> It just has to be a guess. Has to be a guess. Okay. Um, was it um, the New Zealand eight winning um, the uh, rowing in? Um, I think was it uh, eighty four, whatever eighty four, eighty six Olympics, something like that. Put that in, Captain K. Access denied. Seventy two Olympics. <laughs> but uh, which, but that's when we won the gold. But good guess, yeah. Good guess. You made you made progress. Like no's are just as good as yeses because it eliminates. Well, that eliminated quite a lot of stuff actually. So um, yeah, good luck to the people going forward. You never know, we might talk again soon. Cheers, buddy. Good on you, John. Good on you, John. What we're going to do tomorrow? It has to go. So first caller, you'll get five questions and a guess. If your guess is wrong, we go to the next caller. Three questions, you get a guess, go. So we'll leave a bit more time for it tomorrow because tomorrow's the last fault. And from Monday, new and improved prizes. Do I want to give you a clue? There might be beer involved. I think that might make you happy. Brand new, brand new game from Monday, but the vault has to go tomorrow. We'll keep getting contestants until... 
someone wins it. And it will be $150. Guaranteed it's going tomorrow. Mikey G says, calm down, Staff Read the Blues this weekend. As you may tell, I'm still grumpy from last week's Crusaders game and may even pick up my bottom lip off the floor to phone you tomorrow for the first time this week. I'm pleased you're okay, Mikey. I'm, I was starting to worry about you. Regular caller. However, I'm not on show tomorrow. Uh, what is on the show? I will be back on Monday, so I look forward to hearing from you. But if the Blues win, maybe I won't hear from you till next Friday. <laughs> but we will wait and see. We'll wait and see. Ah, that was fun. We play that again tomorrow. We'll take our last break and we'll have a look back in the day, which today is March 16th. What happened back in the day? And the day was March 16. 2007, in a Group A Cricket World Cup match against the Netherlands in St Kitts, South Africa, Herschel Gibbs, he got six sixes and an over. Greedy. I say that's greedy. In 2008, Tiger Woods posted his 64th career win on the US PGA Tour when he beat Bart Bryant, had a big moustache from memory, Bart Bryant, by one shot in the Arnold Palmer Invitational in Orlando, Florida. That matched the total that the great Ben Hogan uh, in third place on the all-time list behind only Jack Nicklaus, 73, and slamming Sammy Sneed on 82. Birthdays today, speaking of golf, Hollis Stacey turned 69 today, American golfer. Uh, 64 years old today, Greg Dyer the Liar, Australian wicketkeeper. Remember, he claimed the catch and he didn't take it. Turning 34 today, it's Finn Basimo's favourite NBA player, Blake Griffin. It's a physical game. Oh, me, oh my. A monster jam by Blake Griffin. Oh, what a play by Blake. And I've got his brother, Ben Griffin, to finish top five in a uh, top ten in the Valspar Internet. Valspar Championship. It's not the Open, it's the Championship. Um, and Joel Embiid, another NBA big man. He's turning 29 today. Number one movie, loved this. Lethal Weapon in 1987. Number one song in 1987. Go on. Oh, if you could see Captain K dancing. Oh. Good stuff, team. We'll resolve the vault tomorrow. Someone's going to win $150. And we'll have our sweepstake on Super Rugby tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your day. We've got Phoenix Nation with Snake McCarty and Captain K right now.